Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Therefore, greetings to you all. Greetings to all of us. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. So we are in week two of our series on Colossians. Now the Apostle Paul, as we know, is writing from Rome uh, to this congregation who he's never met, met but uh, over which he has some sort of apostolic authority and he's trying to bring alignment to this congregation, to this church who are struggling with getting a whole lot of other beliefs um, mixed in with what their understanding is of Jesus and of faith in Jesus. And in chapter 2, we come across a peculiar phrase that Paul uses again and again. And it's very important to understand this if we are to stay in alignment with Jesus, with his will, with his kingdom, with all of those things. Now, Paul says that we have to stay in Christ. In Christ. Now, being in something. Now, we're familiar with this concept, right? It's a common expression in the English language. We can be in love. We can be in a relationship. What's your Facebook status? I'm in a relationship. We can be in a club. We can be in retail. We can be in property. But we can also be in debt. We can be in a perfect storm We can be in trouble. Anyone here ever been in trouble? Now, when you are in something, it means that it's central to your life. It is the primary paradigm that defines how you live and the decisions that you make. For example, when you're in debt, unfortunately, debt often is the thing that makes your decisions. You want to go on a holiday, you want to get a new car, but you can't because your debt says that you can't. Or perhaps if you're in love, maybe you want to go somewhere, but if your love is not going somewhere, then you're staying. So we tend to find that when we are in something, the thing that we are in really makes a difference to the decisions that we make, to the way that we live. Being in something is something that we all understand. Now last week, one of the things Pastor Shane taught was the importance of Christ being in us. Right, More and more Overflowing, You'll remember the illustration, the brilliant illustration that he gave. Now today in Colossians chapter 2, Paul asks, are we in Christ? Are we in Jesus? Let me read this to you, Colossians 2. I'm going to read verse 6, 7, and 9. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives, here it is, in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened In the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, verse 9, for in Christ, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Christ. Now, the problem is, and this is what Paul is warning the Christians at Colossae about, is that it's possible to be in church and in Christ, but it's also possible to be in church but not in Christ. They're two very similar but very different realities. And it happens when someone who may have Jesus in them unfortunately isn't in Jesus. You see, when we're in Christ, Jesus is the priority. We will be into whatever he speaks to us on, whatever his word outlines to us. Jesus is something that we are into and our interests and our passions and our priorities are around that. Jesus is in our schedule. 
But you know what? We can be in church and not in Christ, where church is the priority, and you will attend whatever is going on. Church is something you're into, and, and other interests and priorities aren't on your mind as much as church is. And church is in your schedule, but maybe Jesus isn't. I don't know about you, but I've had plenty of times in my life when I have been in church, but out of Jesus. You know, where I'm turning up, I'm, I'm, I'm singing the songs, I'm talking to people, I'm, I'm doing the thing. I, you know, I remember one season growing up, I was uh, a brand new teacher. I must have been, what, 27. Brand new teacher. And church had been through a difficult time, and I was just struggling. And I was just struggling with so many things. I think I went to church for like four times that entire year. And when I went to church, and I, I, it, was, it was all a struggle for me. You know what that's like? When you're listening to the messages, you're singing the songs, you're coming to the building, but Jesus, he's not around, he's not on my mind, he's not in my priorities, and he's not in my schedule. You know, when we are in Christ but not, sorry, in church but not in Christ, the problem is, is that church becomes the center, not Jesus. And what Paul is saying is that you must always make sure that Jesus is your center even above church. When we're in church but not in Christ, we want our version of church. We want our preferences. We want to debate decisions. We want to have a voice in the direction. We want to have opinions about the songs, about the seating, about the staff. But when we are in church and in Christ, we want Jesus' version of church, a place where lost people will hear the gospel, where people will find freedom, be loved and encouraged where people will discover their purpose and grow and make friendships, where they will be challenged to live a life that pleases God and where they can begin to make a difference in the lives of others. Look, why is Paul so big on being in Christ? It's because the Colossians congregation were being influenced by people and ideas that essentially said Jesus isn't enough. Jesus isn't enough. Faith alone in him isn't enough that that the grace, it's, it's not enough. There's more you need. There's more knowledge that you need. There's more information that you need. If you really want to be in, Jesus is not enough. You know, it's the same sorts of things that Martin Luther fought against that started the Protestant Reformation. And that's why we see in this passage of Scripture this powerful teaching Paul brings when he says, in Christ, you need to realize you have it all. You have it all. You have the fullness of everything that you need for this life. You will find in him. In Christ, you have the fullness of God. Verse 9, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Secondly, in Christ, you have full authority over the devil's power. He, Jesus, is the head of over every power and authority. I still find people from time to time come to me and they go, oh, Pastor, we've got some weird things happening in our house. Can you come and pray for our house? I'm like, why would I come and pray for your house? You have as much authority as I do. Because you've got Christ the same way I've got Christ. And look, maybe I'll come, but I'll come and support you. We can pray through the house, but you're taking authority. I'm just going to agree with you because we're two or more agree on anything. God says it will be done. 
Thirdly, in Christ we have full deliverance from sin. Verses 11 and 12. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Talking about a cutting off, a cutting away. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised in Christ. And, and, and um, one of the, the New Testament symbolisms around this, of course, is baptism that we had today. Also in Christ, you have full and abundant life. This is the life Jesus talked about in John 10. God made you alive with Christ, verse 13 said. Alive with Christ. Number five, you have full forgiveness in him, verses 13 and 14. He forgave us all. Everyone say all. All our sins. Having canceled, everyone say canceled. Canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. And number six, we have full freedom from condemnation. Verse 14 and 15, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. Listen to this. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, when you're in Christ, you have the fullness of God available. In your life, you become someone who's able to contribute, not just consume. You become someone for whom anything is possible, not someone who's just stuck in impossible. You become someone who is freer, sorry, free from the fear and control of men and women because everything you have is in Him. Freedom is a very important concept to Paul, a very important concept. He touches on it in verses 16 and 17. Let me read this to you. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found, here it is again, in Christ. You see, when you're in Christ, there is a freedom from the rules of men. Now, now let me say, we're never free from the commandment that Jesus gives us to love one another, right? We're never free from that. We're never free from treating others how we would like them to treat us. But all of these other things that Paul touches on, whether we drink or whether we don't drink, whether we attend church on a Saturday or a Sunday or a different day, whether we observe this festival or that festival, and, and, and on top of it all, judging the character or salvation of someone based on those things? You know, in Christ, I don't need to be worried and weighed down by other people's opinions. If someone wants to judge me based on those things, knock yourself out. Just don't expect me to waste my time defending myself or debating it. Jesus didn't. He just got on with living and loving and encouraging people and setting them free. You know, as I was uh, thinking about this week, I was reminded of a time many years ago when I was preaching on the street uh, in Dunedin outside McDonald's. And um, this guy came up to me and interrupted me and started to argue with me on whether or not I go to church on a Saturday or a Sunday. And I, I, was, I was just literally incredulous. I remember standing there on the street in the sun with this guy going on at me, surrounded by people who didn't go to church at all, people who didn't know Jesus, people who were going through a Christless eternity. And all this guy wanted to do was interrupt and argue with me 
because he didn't think that the day I chose to go to church was right. I, I stopped him and I said to him, I said, look, buddy, no offense. We're surrounded by all these people who don't know Jesus and the only two people who do know Jesus here are arguing about what day to go to church. I said, no offense, I'm not interested. Have a good day. I turned around and kept on going. You know, I've spent far too many years, I don't know about you, far too many years worrying and stressing and trying to please people. I've been told that I should try to walk in other people's shoes. That's good advice. That's helpful for understanding others. But being in Christ means that we must first try to walk in Jesus' shoes. Trying to see from Jesus' perspective. Trying to look at things through his eyes. How do we do that? Well, let me give you one takeaway this morning, one to do if we are going to begin to step into and live in Christ. You know, many years ago, a man by the name of Charles Sheldon, a pastor in a medium-sized church, did something different for his evening services. He started writing a book, and, and each week he would read the chapter he'd just written to the congregation as the sermon. Soon the church was packed and transformed. What was the book about? The book was about Jesus and about walking in his steps as we're instructed to in 1 Peter 2.21. The story is actually about a pastor who asks his congregation to commit to not make any major decision without first asking the question, what would Jesus do if he was in my shoes. Some of us who have been around for a wee while have read this book, hopefully, or have heard of this, or there was a bit of a revival of this in the 90s. Now, the book called In His Steps follows the lives of several congregation members as this daily practice of asking this question and wrestling with what the answers were slowly yet powerfully transforms not only their lives but their community as they increasingly learn to be in Jesus' shoes. Honestly, I don't know if there's a better practice to be in Christ, to become aligned with him. Because when you ask that question, listen to this, you have to first position yourself in him and then position him in you. You have to learn to see the issues of life from his perspective, not in the light of your preferences, which is the heart of discipleship. Let me ask you this morning. Are you living in Christ? Because that's what Paul is asking of the church in Colossae, and that's what I feel I need to ask of this amazing church this morning. Are you living in in Christ. Yeah, we get the team to come now. That'd be great. Let me ask you this. What's your big thing? You know, your pet frustration, your hobby horse, the thing you post about on Facebook, the thing that you talk to people about that gets you wound up. Can I ask you this? Are you trying to look at it from Jesus's perspective? Whose shoes are you standing in and looking at this from. It's important to think about. 
So let me ask you, what would Jesus do if he was in your shoes? Are you struggling with challenges in your job? Difficult boss, I don't know, challenging colleagues, maybe practices you're not comfortable with. What would Jesus do if he was in your shoes? Or are you wrestling with relationship stuff? You know, maybe a marriage that's lost its freshness, a friendship that's turning a little bit toxic, a family member you've fallen out with. What would Jesus do if he was in your shoes? Maybe it's your finances, things not going to plan, feeling stumped about how to get ahead or turn things around. Why don't you try asking, what would Jesus do if he was in your shoes? Or maybe it's your health. Are you in a bad place physically? Are you in a dark place mentally? Are you in a hard place emotionally? What do you think Jesus would do if he was in your shoes? Come on, let's stand together this morning as we close. I want to pray for you. Jesus, your word is clear. Paul has made it abundantly clear. God, that we are to be in you. And I pray, Lord God, that this morning, Holy Spirit, you might shine your light in our hearts, God, and give us clarity, help us to see, are we in you or are we just in church? Because one will never satisfy and one will always bring us the fullness of everything that you have promised. I pray this morning, God, as we take a moment in your presence to ponder on what we would do if you were in our shoes. God, I pray this morning that you might begin to change our paradigm, help us see options we haven't seen before, challenge our hearts to do what is right. Make us more and more into your image, Jesus, we pray. Amen.